Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's uh, 105 in Edmonton. Bob Stauffer down in Red Deer. And we are at the Holiday Inn right on Gasoline Alley where uh, the Edmonton Oilers right now are uh, having a, a bit of a, a unique uh, luncheon with some of the fans in Red Deer. Bob Nicholson, Peter Shirelli, uh, Kevin Lowe, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Brent Sutter, along with uh, John Shannon uh, from uh, Sportsnet and my play-by-play partner, Jack Michaels. We'll hear from Ryan Nugent Hopkins a little bit later on. Coming up in this hour, NHL Network analyst Brian Lawton, uh, the aforementioned uh, Jack Michaels, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. The second hour of Oilers Now is brought to you by Digitex. Trusted by 630 Jed, visit their new e commerce site and order supplies, printers, and more at digitex.ca. You can reach us on our Oilers Now hotline at 780 496 It's brought to you by the River Cree Resort and Casino tomorrow. Tomorrow, the Proclaimers at the River Cree Resort and Casino. And uh, coming up on September the 23rd, it is Steve Earl and the Dukes at the River Cree Resort and Casino. We're going to get to some text here momentarily. You can text us at 630-630. Tweet us at Oilers now. Again, uh, text us at 630-630. For Westlock Ford, if you're looking for a new vehicle, go see Paul Olson out at Westlock Ford. Check out their great selection today at westlockford.com worth the drive to get your new ride we are on twitter as well and the best pizza in the city pizza uh royal pizza pizza passed in so much more edmonton owned and operated for 49 years royal pizza where the stoffer recommendation is the mediterranean chicken for menu locations visit royalpizza.ca and download the royal pizza app from the app store Royal Pizza, Edmonton owned and operated now 49 years in the city of Edmonton. So that kind of says it all. Um, Brandon, if you can just let me know uh, when our package has arrived, when our guest has arrived in the meantime and in between time, I will go to some texts at 630-630. Hmm. 
Bob, if there's one guy that everybody is looking to fix this team, it's Pool Party, referring to Yessa Pugliarvi. Um Well, I would suggest that Pugliarvi, I don't think he's going to be the savior for the Edmonton Oilers this season. I think it's going to have to be a collective effort. I believe that uh, the fans certainly know and understand that they have a very special player in terms of Connor McDavid. Uh, has led the league in scoring the last two years. Ryan Nugent Hopkins likely to get a chance to play on McDavid's wing. Uh, and I think that he could set career highs in goals and points this year. Also likely to be on the first unit power play. Leon Dreisaitl needs to drive his second line. The Oilers are going to need some productivity from a guy like Tobias Reeder. Does he get an opportunity to potentially play consistent top six minutes? Um, they've also got, you know, uh, Milan Lucic needing to bounce back after a very difficult second half to the season last year. And he needs to be a player that uh, elevates his level of performance. So I don't think you should demand too much out of a 20-year-old. I, I do think that Pugliarvi is a bit of a wild card. I'd even say Pontus Aberg is a wild card. I'm not sure what he is and if he could be a legit top nine forward for the Oilers. At this time, though, we're pleased to be joined by the former general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, in 1983, he was the number one overall pick in the NHL draft. And he's now a uh, one of the top uh, agents in the business uh, during his days with Octagon, and he's now with the NHL Network. We welcome back to the show Brian Lawton. Hi, Brian. How was your summer? Oh, it's been fantastic, Bob. Lots of travel, lots of interesting hockey things going on, and uh, it's about time to get back to work. Uh, you know, Brian, uh, my summer was too long because the Edmonton Oilers were not playing hockey in May. You know what I'm saying? I think it was too long for everybody in Edmonton this year. <laughs> there you go. Uh, before we get to the, the Tampa Bay situation, and uh, I'm going to ask your thoughts on the Pacioretty trade and maybe the Maple Leafs moves as well, um, a quiet year for Peter Shirelli in terms of the offseason, limited obviously because of some cap challenges, especially after uh, the Oilers stepped up and did long-term extensions on McDavid and Dreisaitl, which everybody wanted here in oil country. Just your assessment on the body of work that occurred in Edmonton in the offseason. Well, not much, not much, as you mentioned. And I think when you're coming off of a year like Edmonton had last year, everybody has cap problems, or many, many of the teams do. When you don't have the season you want and you have cap problems, it can really be a downer. Uh, that's just the reality of it. I'm quite certain Peter Shirley would have liked to have done quite a bit more, but he just doesn't have that optionality. So you're left with... Pretty much what they did, adding some players. I just heard you talking about Tobias Reeder. And, you know, what it ends up being at the end of the day, though, for me, is a lot of internal growth, a lot of development from prospects that have been with the club or even new prospects. And that's what the Oilers are facing this year. They've got a lot of opportunity. I can't imagine in a million years that they won't perform much better than last year. Yeah, I mean, and they change out coaching staff. I, I know you've got a, you and Jim Johnson have known each other a long time. Uh, Trent Yanni comes in with a very good reputation as well. He's done an excellent job on penalty killing. Um, for me, special teams is a big factor for this team because for the life of me, I can't figure out how the Oilers went from fifth to thirty-first in the on the power play. Like that just defies logic. Uh, to put things in perspective, Brian, the Oilers' power play in 2016-17 was second in the NHL from December first until the end of the year, and had the highest percentage since 1985-86 for an Oilers team in 16-17. That's how good the power play was. And it went from 12th in the middle of November 
and plummeted to 31st despite having the Art Ross scoring champion, which has never happened in NHL history. There's never been a guy lead the league in scoring and have the worst power play in the league. It kind of defies logic when you start throwing those numbers together, doesn't it? It does. I mean, the best explanation I could probably come up with was a little bit out in front of its skis the year before, plummets back the other direction last year. I suspect strongly it'll be somewhere in between this year. I still think they're above average, but I'm not sure they're in that top two or three, four teams in the national team. So that's the way it goes. I mean, you hear a lot more about sample size and things like that, and it can sway year to year. You've got injuries. you got a lot of different factors. For me, ultimately, when those types of things start to spiral and you see players losing their confidence, you're really in trouble. And that's what happened to the Oilers last year, in my opinion. Uh, Cam Talbot couldn't make a save to, to save his life in the beginning of last year. I felt like that really hurt the penalty kill. Yep. And uh, everything just kind of spiraled out of control from there. Well, and you mentioned the penalty kill, and at the end of the day, if you had a choice between having a good penalty kill or a good power play, which would you prefer having? For me, I would always like to have a good power play. Um, at the same time, I recognize the value of the PK, <laughs> and depending on the type of team you have, i.e., are you taking a lot of penalties or not, uh, I could go either way on that question. When you look at uh, you know transitioning defensemen, and we're going to talk a bit about Evan Bouchard here, uh, because he's you know turning 19 in October, played three full years of major junior, played in London. Uh, the orders have been accused at times of rushing players. Uh, I don't think, for the record, uh, I mean they sent Jordan Everly back for two years. They sent uh, you know Paul Yarvey came or uh, Magnus Payarvey came over as a 19 year old. Taylor Hall was a stud. Nugent Hopkins almost won the Rookie of the Year his first year. Um, Nurse went back for two years. Dreisaitl played right away, and the next year was a legitimate top six NHL forward. McDavid, well, he's McDavid. So on that note, uh, different for defensemen, I guess, a bit, but does where he played junior factor in, in that environment, the fact that he is an older kid, does it give him a bit, a bit, a bit of a better chance to play right away? Because you, you have some experience about knowing the pressure of being an 18-year-old and trying to produce in the National Hockey League. I do, and as well as the general manager. I mean, obviously, we had Stamkos and Hedman. Um, those guys were more closer to Connor McDavid than anything, I'd say, even early on in terms of being prospects that you knew were going to play. Ultimately, I felt like one of the best things that happened to the Oilers was the way the draft played out this year. I felt like it was really favorable for them. So that's going to create uh, more potential them to get an impact sooner. Is it going to be this year? I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if you see him playing early on. Um, at least get a look for the 10 games. I love where he came out of for junior. That's just a pro-style system. Rich history. I think that's going to help him. Um, but ultimately, uh, of anything that happened in the offseason, the draft was the best part for me for the Edmonton Oilers. Brian Lawton joining us Oilers now from the NHL Network. Brian, uh, you were general manager in Tampa Bay. Steve Eisenman went in there after you. Uh, built. Uh, you guys went through the tough miles where you had the number one and number two picks in back-to-back years. Uh, they built up a lot of depth in that organization. He did a good job. But you, if, as I recall, 
you may have been one of the guys that thought that might have been a possibility that Iserman was, uh, you know, potentially going to leave uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, maybe just give me uh, your thoughts on why that might have, you know, ultimately come to fruition. Yeah, I, obviously I'm very close with many of the staff there having run the club before Steve. First, let me say that Steve did an absolutely amazing job. Uh, he really did. He went through the normal trials and tribulations that all GMs go through. There was a Jonathan Hood situation where maybe they could have taken Caleb Jones, brother Seth. Instead, uh, it didn't matter. Steve found a way to kind of right that ship to correct maybe uh, what, what wasn't necessarily best pick for them. And he just did that all over the board. Drafting of Braden Point, uh, exceptional. Kucherov, exceptional. Signing Tyler Johnson out of the West, the free agent, exceptional. Um, the continued development with Victor Hedman. I just think that uh, Steve has proven himself to be really, truly one of the elite general managers in this league. I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but I, I, I just had had some conversations with folks in the past where this had come up as a possibility. And uh, I never really thought much of it. Jeff Fiddick is a tremendous owner. Uh, but at the end of the day, I absolutely understand and feel for Steve, for Steve in terms of what he was going through. He's living in Michigan, going back and forth. Yes, he had a house. I know exactly. He had a wonderful house. Um, but it's tough. And uh, I found it a little bit tough at times, too. My family was back and forth. My first year, or really didn't really missed half the year. Uh, that's 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 not a fun fun way to run a team. So Stevie spent eight years there. Uh, he built that thing really deep. Uh, they they were loaded for bear this year. Uh, wherever he wants to go, Bob, I really truly feel like he could pick his spot once he's done with Tampa if he wants to work again. I'd only be guessing from here forward. But my suspicion is he absolutely will be running a team again and definitely, in my opinion, in the next 24 months. All right, so uh, Ken Holland has a two-year contract in Detroit, and a lot of people have linked him to Seattle. Uh, Dave Tippett is a consultant for Seattle. With a combination of moves like that, Holland going to Seattle and Iserman returning to Detroit makes sense? Um, I think it's a possibility. I talk to Dave Tippett quite frequently. Him and I are good friends from having been teammates in the past. And, uh, you know, uh, they don't have a team yet, uh, but they're working feverishly to in preparation for it. And obviously he's the first employee that they've hired on hockey upside, which is a little uh, surprising because they don't have a team. But uh, that group is about as rock solid as anybody you'll ever see in this league in terms of Todd Lyawicki running it, Tim Lyawicki being involved in the, the building of the new arena. So I think it's just a matter of time, and I think they will look at everybody um, and anybody that they feel is Brian, the, the Vegas Golden Knights did an unbelievable job last year as we transitioned from a potential expansion team to a team that was the most expansion team we've ever seen obviously the rules were completely different than you know uh, the dregs that in the past uh, organizations like Columbus and Minnesota got but uh, Vegas made another move and they made a splash and they got Max Pacioretty uh, in a deal uh, that involved uh, prospect Nick Suzuki 
uh, as along uh, with Tomash Tatar, who really didn't knock it out of the park when he went to Vegas in the number two pick. Your assessment on that trade? I think that it was a good trade for both teams, quite frankly. Uh, Max Pacioretty had a real down. I think he's a fantastic guy, uh, but there's been, you know, discussion of uh, tough guy to manage all the time. We'll find out if that's true or not. I'm not saying it is or isn't, but that's been out there about Max. Now he goes to a team that's very close knit. He got a really nice spot available for him on that second line. Uh, he'll get a quality center, I think, in Peter Stasty. And I think the sky is the limit for Max to that 30 plus goal scorer again. If that happens. And I would say this is an excellent trade for Vegas. Either way, I think it's a good trade for Montreal because of some of the factors. Patrick having a down year, um, teams recognizing that you know he he really is a rental unless you find somebody that resigns him. They were able to do that. Alan Walsh did some really nice work on that situation for Max Patrick, and ultimately, I think it worked out well for all three parties: the player and both clubs. Uh, you mentioned Alan Walsh, and of course, uh, with Octagon, that's your old company. And just in terms of the, and we're going to circle back to Darnell Nurse here for a second. Um, you know, Darnell Nurse doesn't have arbitration rights. Uh, he's represented by Anton Thun. Uh, he's one of three pending RFAs that are not currently signed. Vegas has one in Shea Theodore. The other one's Josh Morrissey in Winnipeg. There's a little bit of nervousness here in Edmonton. Uh, I think Darnell will be in the lineup. Uh, by the time we fly over to Germany to play a exhibition game in Cologne and then drop the puck in the regular season in Sweden uh, in Gothenburg. But give us the agent's perspective on why you have to battle uh, on behalf of your client, but also battle as a group. Even though you're individually representing players, you have to have the, the, you know, the thoughts of all of the players when you do do these deals. Yes, you really do. Ultimately, I'm not necessarily surprised this one has taken as long as it has. I do feel it will get worked out. Um, unfortunately, and I'm looking at this as a former player who's been to arbitration, and obviously Darnell doesn't have it, but at times I've used it, didn't use it as, a, as an agent, very familiar with these types of circumstances, and as a general manager as well. And ultimately, I just think this is one that comes down to right before camp, maybe even a week or two into camp. It's a tough spot because the Edmonton Oilers, I believe, really like Darnell Nurse. They have a cap crunch. They have some difficulties going on. Even though they may want to pay the player more, it's very difficult for them to make that decision. And ultimately, it's not going to be one that is made lightly. But the players seem to be fighting a little harder recently here to get the dollars they're worth. I see a bridge contract in the maybe two-year range, right. and I think the numbers will be more favorable uh, for Edmonton to help them get through things in the short term. I don't see that long-term deal in any circumstances being worked out right now. I just I think that's a really tough one for Peter Shirley to pull off. I think it's a really tough one for the player to swallow because I don't think you can really truly get to the potential for Darnell. I think it would be a foolish move for him as well. He'd have to take a significant, significant discount for that to happen. Let me ask the question differently, Brian. How much pressure is there from the PA and from the other agents 
that guys battle and don't roll over too quickly in negotiations with NHL organizations because it affects how everybody else gets paid. From what I'm told now, I was you know good friends with Bob Goodnell and the people that were running the PA then, and I certainly know Don here, and I would say that the pressure from Don is about one-tenth of what it was from Bob. Okay. Bob and I used to talk about it all the time. He wanted home runs all the time. They wanted home runs. They wanted big groundbreaking contracts. I don't really see that, to be fair to Don Fair, as much as we used to in the past. I think it's uh, case by case now. Some agents are harder than others. That's just the luck of the draw. Some agents have more at stake. They fight harder. These are all the things that they don't really get talked about, Bob, but they're out there. And I don't know of any particular reasons one way or the other that might be spurring, so to speak, on Darnell versus agent or anything like that. Um, but that's the reality of it. You really got to do your due diligence on the other side. It's not just what the player's worth. These are the toughest when you don't have ARB because there's just one extra bullet in your gun to try to settle these as a club. And clubs in today's world are proven to be a little bit more cautious in laying the hammer down as they were in the past. All right. Final question for you. The Toronto Maple Leafs signed John Tavares in the offseason. It, it shifts, to me, a little bit of the balance of power. I believe the Maple Leafs are going to lead the NHL in goals. What do you think? Am I out to lunch? Nope. I don't think you're out to lunch at all. It's in their DNA. They're incredibly strong down the middle. But he's going to play up-tempo. Aston Matthews. I don't want to say he's Connor McDavid, but he's pretty damn close. And they do it in a different way, but these two guys are both special in the league. I don't have any doubt about that. So when you add in a John Tavares at this age in his career, that has a lot to prove being back home. Uh, I think Kadri's going to see some great matchups. I think it's going to be incredible for him. I really do. Jake Gardner is a special talent. If they can ever reel this guy in defensively, they'd be a, a scary team. Awesome stuff, Brian. We thank you for joining us today on Oilers Now, and we'll touch base down the road. My pleasure, Bob. Thank you. You bet. That's uh, Brian Lawton, who back in 1983 was the number one pick in the NHL draft, uh, had a lengthy NHL career, obviously. Uh, one of the top agents in the business when he was with Octagon, went on to be the general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning before Steve Eiserman, and now is with the NHL Network. It's 126 in Edmonton. We're down in Red Deer. We're going to take a timeout for a minute. This is Oilers Now. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. It's 127 in Edmonton Oilers, rookies and flames, rookies in Red Deer tonight. Bob Stoffer with you. Still to come, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Jack Michaels. Uh, Oilers rookies, Connor Yamamoto will be back in the lineup. So too will Ethan Bear. Uh, we will head off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.